you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live Podcast. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano and Graham Barfield. And uh, Fabs, I'm glad you're with us this week because uh, you, uh, you might have been doing your civic duty otherwise. Yeah, and I get it. You're supposed to be doing civic duty, but I'm telling you right now, I, so Monday I had to go in for jury duty, got called into a courtroom. There was 55 jurors in the jury pool. Um, and it was a nasty, nasty case. I wanted nothing to do with it. Like I was so stressed out at the end of the day between being asked questions and the judge making me feel like I was on trial that I had the worst migraine I've ever had in my life. Like I literally like got home <laughs> nauseous and I'm like, I'm laying down, man. I don't want nothing to do with this. So yesterday I go in, um, and then the it was the prosecution uh, lawyer who was questioning jurors, and then the lawyers both went up to the judge, and they said, okay, these are the ones we want, these ones that we don't want, whatever. And then they basically what they do is you've got, like, a jury box, and there's 12 people in the jury box, and then you've got 13 to 55, like, in benches. And then each lawyer goes back and forth and says, juror number one, you're excused, and thank you, and blah, 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 blah. So I'm at 47. So they have... 12 jurors in the box. It's up to 44, right? Um, 44 goes up, gets excused. 45 goes up, gets excused. 46, they're never picking this guy in a million years. I know it. So basically, they have three spots left from 46 to 55. I'm like, son of a... I can't believe this. (laughs) 46 goes up, gets uh, excused. Juror 47, please take seat one. Before the cheeks even hit the seat, the lawyer said... You're excused. And, Lude, it was like a, just a, a monkey off my back, dude. I was like, wow. <laughs> because, like, I get it. It's your civic duty, and, like, I'd be happy to do it. Not This was a nasty criminal trial, like, bad. Like, I, I, you know, I'm not saying anything, but it was freaking bad, like, Dateline bad. Were you, were you singing Alice Cooper's Schools out for summer? <laughs> yeah, when you, like, when you like, I, ran out of the building? Well, do, you, do you remember, uh, you know, when George Costanza came out, like, running summer at George? Like, <laughs> I, I kind of may have did something like that when I left the courtroom. But, yeah, I am... Very happy to be with you fine gentlemen, and it's uh, nice to have Florio in here. Yeah, man. Joining us right now, Michael Florio, uh, a former, well, former, hopefully soon to be again, researcher here at the NFL. He's on a break. He's on on a break. break, Like like Ross and Rachel, he's on a break break. right now. Uh, Writing for fan tracks in the the meantime offseason. If you don't follow him, Michael F. Florio on Twitter. Uh, writing about fantasy baseball. How you doing, man? I'm good. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's uh, and yeah, I will be back. You you don't have to worry about. Cool, that. awesome. No, it's great. Did uh, great work for us uh, on fantasy. This is the real year. Michael Florio, folks. Right, right. Not the. There's uh, some other guy I heard yeah, about. Yeah, this but is the, the real. One. This is a real one here. Uh, got plenty to talk about today. Uh, we are going to talk about. Uh, well, of course, we're going to do Game of Thrones because that's what we do here. Uh, but we will talk about Doug Baldwin. We'll talk about Kellen Moore and how much OCs actually matter. If we give them too much credit, not enough credit what have you there that and then, uh we'll also talk about uh nfl quarterbacks in tv or movies because uh there was a guy that made an appearance <laughs> on a tv show over the last week and uh, so we'll talk about that as well but first before we do that let's go behind the glass and talk to our faithful producer senior edward l murphy esquire murph i actually want to ask you and florio the same question because you guys are both knicks fans okay oh no watching the draft lottery was it like watching Thanos just like snap away all your hopes and that's, dreams? That's the best analogy for it. it. It was so stressful just to get to the. They do it in such a weird way because you have you get to like the top or I guess bottom four, and those are the four teams that are in contention for the first overall pick. And then when you had the one slot left, the fifth slot was still there. It's like there, 
this could be the Knicks and they could be out of the top four, even with the worst record. And of course this has to happen the, the first year with the lottery, the rule changes. Mm-hmm. And then you get in the four and like the, the fourth team goes by like, okay, great. The Lakers, like this could be, we'll at least get top two. Um, and of course we get the third pick and it's like a lot of people are down on RJ Barrett. I mean, I, I personally felt it was Zion or bust. A lot of people are high on John Morant, but it's just, I mean, <laughs> you, you do the right thing by losing, do the right thing by clearing up the cap space yeah. for the two max slots. Like the Knicks did everything right. I think they got Fizdale, who's a great coach is really well loved in the NBA, everything they did according to plan and uh, Patrick Ewing, Allen Houston and the luck <laughs> of the lottery balls did not help them a single bit. No. Nah. Yeah, what the fifth pick was the real nerve wracking one. It was. Once we got that, like I kind of I was clapping and stuff. But then there's a lot of videos on Twitter, and that's how I was last night. Like at, when it was four was the Lakers, like I was cheering, and they're like, and three is the Knicks, and mid cheer, I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> like it, it just deflated out of me. I agree, it was Zion or bust, but at least top three in a draft that many people are saying is a three player draft. Plus. I keep trying to convince myself, I'm sorry, Marcus, but I keep trying to tell myself Kevin Durant is coming. I mean, look, I know that's what's out there. I know that is what's out there, that Kevin Durant is going to New York. And maybe, maybe he does. Look, I'm not going to say, look, as a Warrior fan, somebody who grew up during the dry days, the terrible days where we went, I think we went, you know, 15 plus years without making the playoffs. Like, I'm not going to complain about when this era is over. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just enjoying this. I'm along for the ride. It's great. If KD decides to leave, then, hey, I will wish him well and just, you know, think about what we had back then. So It wasn't also like a double whammy. It was like a triple whammy because not only you didn't get we didn't get Zion, we didn't get the first overall pick. The Lakers now get the fourth pick so they have a better chance of down trading for Anthony Davis. And then the Pelicans of all teams end up with the first overall pick with like a 6% chance. So it's like it could not have gone worse for the Knicks last the Lakers, night. They'll find a way to <laughs> screw it up. My, my initial reaction was like, all right, now we could trade the three pick and they could have Barrett and Zion together. Yeah, but <laughs> that Lakers package is hard to beat. I'm convinced the Knicks have done so. They're just completely cursed. I like, Look, I've done a pretty good job of not really caring about basketball, like basketball in New York for that long. I'm yeah. just going to keep doing that. Yeah. I just don't care. I mean, just continue, continue on yeah. that path. This, this could be your punishment, though, for James Dolan owning your team. I, I, isn't that and that's fair? And, that, and that's fair. I mean, that, that, I can't argue against that. That's fair. So, so yeah, who knows? Uh, so anyway, uh, that'll be interesting when June hits and we go through the. By the way, I, I put out on Twitter. I, I'm not the only one who says this, but I really feel like you know. I'm going to say this here, and if I get snatched up by windowless vans and black helicopters, mm-hmm. just know that I love you all. Drafts are un-American, and we should get rid of them. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. What's your proposal? Because uh, I'm all ears right now because those aren't working for the Knicks. <laughs> I mean, it's just a free agency. We have a, we have salary caps. Just do free agency. It, we have free agency now. It seems to work. I'm with you because, uh, and if you were watching live, Zion's face, and they went to him after the Pelicans <laughs> got it, he was like a guy that like, oh, He's I like, could have lived in like uh, Los Angeles or New York. And like, it's like, okay, it's, they, it's a dying franchise. They real quick. Yeah, he, didn't, he was not thrilled. I could tell. I mean, I also, that's just my pick. By the way, I also thought it was weird that he was actually there. Like, Very I thought weird. it was weird, too. Why was he there? Rachel Nichols, Rachel Nichols kept going there? to him. He's like, how are you feeling? He's like, I- I'm here. I'm fine. Like, <laughs> let's just go. Like, <laughs> like, I just thought it was strange that he was there. Like, he's obviously the consensus number one picture. Sure. doesn't matter who's there. But why? Yeah, but why? why are you sitting? And they like, had, like, he was, like, mic'd up with them the whole time. What, is he going to give live analysis I know. of the team he's about <laughs> to go to? Yeah. Like, how, how are you feeling? I really don't want to go to the Pelicans. I thought that was strange. So, All right. Anyway, that's that's that. That'll be fun anyway to watch because we'll get you know an NBA draft type is not quite like NFL draft type but I'm sure we'll hear plenty about it in the next mm-hmm. uh, month or so so uh, anyway like I said uh, we got plenty to talk about so before we get going let's do some news let's do the news well the string of retirements across the NFL that have uh, had a fantasy impact continues. Not a surprise, but Doug Baldwin looks like he is going to hang them up. He, along with Cam Chancellor, were released uh, recently by the Seahawks after a failed physical designation. Um, this had been sort of rumored for a while, so this, uh, yeah, this is not a big shock. But uh, I guess from a fantasy perspective, the first thing is, Fabs, mm-hmm. this is good news for Tyler Lockett, right? It is. It is. And, uh, you know, I went back and looked at the numbers, and you look at the games last year that Lockett played where Baldwin did not. I mean, he was primarily in the slot. 59.2% uh, of his routes came out of the slot. You would think he's going to be the primary slot receiver next season for Russell Wilson. A lot of targets also are going to be up for grabs now, so you're looking at a slight increase in, in the in the fantasy value for Metcalf uh, coming in as a rookie, but 
losing Baldwin is basically going to solidify what we already knew that that offense is going to just run the ball a lot. But Tyler Lockett is now firmly a wide receiver, too, in my mind. Uh, Doug Baldwin's watch has ended, by the way. Love, love <laughs> yes, the yes. Uh, fantastic job on Twitter. No, but yeah, uh, I have said this before. I don't think Seattle is going to be able to run the ball as much as they did last year. But that being said, this is a huge win for Tyler Lockett. I mean, we're expecting the efficiency to dip. I mean, he scored 10 touchdowns and 70 targets last year. That's not happening. Again. Hey, Graham, now, is, there, is there a possibility they go after Crabtree? Right. I mean, yeah. they're 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 thin at wide receiver right now. Maybe they go after a veteran. They, they've tried to bring in veterans every year. They try to bring in. Right. I mean, they had Brandon, Brandon Marshall, Marshall. Brandon Marshall right. last yeah. year. Um, maybe. But at this point, I think they're pretty comfortable with Metcalf, Jennings, Moore. One of those three being, you know, feasibly they're two or three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lockett is going to get fed targets this year. I'm sorry. I, I sort of blacked out when you said Michael Crabtree. I know. I but just, like that was the first only, wide receiver available only, that came to my mind. No, no. I mean, I get that. I'm just saying, so as a 49er fan, I just have this vision in my head oh, of, geez. of yeah. the Seahawks getting down deep and then like Crabtree <laughs> beats Richard Sherman on a corner pattern in the end zone to like win a game or something like that. And like, I will never... I, I, think, might, I might walk into the ocean if that happens. I, I think that thought just made a guarantee that like, the to Seattle like, signing like is going to happen. I can just see, you know, like everybody will replay the NFC Championship game from a few years ago, and this time it'll be Crabtree beating Sherman <laughs> to, like, win it. For, and like, I, I literally will just walk into the Pacific Ocean, and that'll be, <laughs> that'll be the end of me. Yeah, but you'll walk out. <laughs> um, Florio, so, I mean, obviously, you know, Tyler Lockett gets a boost here. Anything for DK Metcalf. I know he's been, he was kind of the hot name in in rookie minicamp. I mean, this has got to help him too, I would think. Yeah, I think he can be a lot like what Tyler Lockett has been for this offense in years past. A low catch total guy, but he's going to stretch the field for them. He's going to, I think, dominate their targets in the red zone and in the end zone. So I think for fantasy, he's going to be a little inconsistent, but I do think he can take on like a Tyler Lockett-esque role while Lockett walks into that Doug Baldwin type role from years past. To your point, I mean, Seattle doesn't have a tight end. They don't really have a big receiver in the red zone that they can get the ball to. And DK might only see four or five targets per game, but if one of those is a deep ball and a few of them are red zone targets, they'll still be pretty valuable. Where, where, where's our buddy Will Disley? Right? Remember that? Remember remember at the start of the year when like the, the Seahawks looked like they had a tight end and then got Right, remember? I mean, he was actually <laughs> fantasy relevant. No one wanted to touch him because he was Will Disley. <laughs> but then he got hurt. And then he got hurt. So, I don't know. Uh, even Nick Vandette, I think, had like a game or two yep. in there where uh, where he did some... That was like everyone everyone's sleeper tight end for a while was like Nick Vanette. Nick Vanette. Man. Mm. Those were the days. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so then the next question, and, and it's one that we sort of kicked around last week with some of these guys and, and the idea of putting people in a fantasy ring of honor. Doug Baldwin is a guy who put up some some good numbers. Yeah. I can't put him in. No. He, doesn't he, was, he, was, he wasn't even fantasy relevant for a lot of for his a career. a long time. People forget that. Like, he was a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, even worse than like a Tiki Barber. He was a late bloomer. Right. He was a guy that you were maybe grabbing off the waiver wire, maybe taking late in drafts, and then he eventually emerged as a guy who was very valuable. But uh, sorry, angry Doug, but um, he's you, not. You're ever. not in my uh, he's, fantasy. He's not in the honor. fantasy ring of honor. No, sir. Uh, I mean, that's fair. I mean, I'm looking at it right. He he only had two thousand yard seasons. Uh, he had well, the, look at his his first bunch of seasons in the league. It was very ugh. yeah. He was like, he was an afterthought. I mean, it was an offense that pretty much ran through Marshawn Lynch. And, yeah. you know, most of the time. Right. If anything, Doug's kind of a cool success story because he came into the league pretty old um, at 23 years old. And like you mentioned, he didn't do anything in his career until 26, 27 years old. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty. I mean, it's pretty cool to actually buck one of those trends because yep. most of the guys that we like for fantasy are pop early. So yeah. Uh, so uh, didn't so, he have to do hold like a fake press conference saying that he was a good wide receiver? I think at he one did. Point <laughs> if you have to do that, I feel like you're not a, right, a ring of honor player. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but uh, he had a couple of nice runs. He had the, the huge 2015 season with a thousand yards, 14 touchdowns. Uh, but just never, you know. Look, he was a good player. He wasn't necessarily a great player. He was a but, he was uh, a better real life player than he ever was yeah. in fantasy I think, for most of I think that's career. a good way to describe it. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of weird tight end news uh, in the last couple of days. Um, Benjamin Watson he's signing. Back. He's back. He's signing with the Patriots. Um, so for all of you Austin Safarian Jenkins believers out there, which maybe there are two. Yeah, I don't know how many. I don't know how big that fan club is. Probably many, not that big. How many targets is Julian Edelman going to get this year? Like all of them? Mm. Like No, I shouldn't. No, no. He'll get like eighty percent of them, <laughs> and then like Nikhil Harry will get like ten percent, and then the other ten percent, <laughs> right? Something like that. That's, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, we're not. None of us are buying. We're not really buying Benjamin Watson with the. I'm not buying that. either one of those tight ends. Yeah. No, sir. I think Edelman's. Well, I mean, Edelman. eventually Kyle Rudolph will end up in New England, and then. Well, see, that was the next part because, like, right. now because you know, the Vikings obviously drafted Irv Smith. Mm-hmm. Kyle Rudolph. Okay, I'll take a poll. How many of you guys believe Kyle Rudolph will be a Viking in Week One? Anybody? I think I, I think Mueller. he's going to get traded. I think, I think he's getting point, traded. He'll get traded or even potentially cut. Uh, the Vikings can save like $7 million if he's not on the roster by June 1. It's kind of a weird, sticky situation for him. He's 29 years old, and they just spent a fifth, the 50th overall pick on an, another tight end. I, yeah, I posted uh, a question on social media last week and said, where would you rank and, Rudolph if he was a Patriot? And almost everyone was in the top five. Which wow. I don't get. I don't get. I like, don't. I would not put him in a over because it's the Gronk effect. That's what everyone's jumping on. I He's get, top ten, no doubt. I get Gronk. I don't know was, about top five. It's not Gronk last year, but Gronk was not good at all last year. I know. Yeah. I don't even well, know if to that matter. Neither was Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. And, and like I know uh, the thing I see a lot of people think the Patriots tight ends are going to get a lot of end zone targets and red zone targets, but Gronk last year had eight all year, and the, their leading red zone target getter was James White. Yeah. So I I don't even know if. Putting him there makes him a top ten guy. I mean, mm. I'm just, I'm just, I'm so I'm, I'm just. I take, I so, take. So, so Kelsey, the top ten, the top ten after the obvious three is right. The top Henry, well, Howard, Cook, Ebron. Where would you put Rudolph in in that kind of grouping there? I'd put. I would still put him behind Cook and Ebron. I'd also I, like to know. Obviously, know. The ASJ or Watson would likely not be on the roster because they're not going to have three guys. Well, bo- both ASJ and Watson's deals are one year deals. So mm-hmm. at, at, I mean, at minimum. They could be cut pretty easily. Yes, yes. So, I mean, if before, Rudolph, if Rudolph is is going to be the primary tight end for the Patriots, and I would assume that he is, um, uh, to me, I still love OJ Howard, and I still love Hunter Henry more than him. So, uh, I'm saying he's in that Ebron range. But I think the other thing to take into account, though, is that this isn't the same. I mean, obviously, you know, it's just not the same Tom Brady as we've seen in the mm-hmm. past, right? Last year, this was a team that was. Definitely more of a run-first operation. I mean, they really relied heavily on Sonny Michelle. When they did throw the ball, a lot of it were short passes to James White. It's just not the same kind of offense because the quarterback is, what, 42 years old, going to be 42 years old in mm-hmm. August. Like, that has an impact, too. I mean, if we're talking about, you know, quarterbacks losing, you know, whatever because of, you know, certain receivers not being there, at some point the receiver also kind of gets a ding for having a quarterback who is, let's just say it, he's old. I don't care how much avocado ice cream you eat. Yeah. Like, the the... The Old biggest, happens to right. all of us, the best of us. I mean, Rob Gorkowski, from a real football perspective, was really good last year, but you mentioned it. I mean, when you can't run after the catch and then, you know, you have an aging quarterback who's not pushing the ball downfield like he once was, uh, Kyle Rudolph, if he does go there, can't necessarily run after the catch either. I'm kind of I'm kind of with all you guys. I don't really – I think we kind of be mis, mis, mixed emotions on that one. Yeah, I don't know. Just, yeah. I, it's a weird – well, I don't know. It's a weird year. And I also think because, as we keep saying on this show, that – the tight end position will be deeper this year as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just think things are stacked against Kyle Rudolph. I don't know. It is interesting because I, I'm assuming they asked him to take a pay cut and then he basically said no. And that's how we saw the news this week that the talks have broken down between their, between their, between the two sides. So I think we'll get some sort of resolution with, with these two, but I think the Patriots, it's one of those things where the Patriots are like being, so, it's like the common sense link that just doesn't happen. Like everyone wants Rudolph to go to the Patriots, but ends up not happening yeah i don't know i think it's wishful thinking because yeah. you know the patriots obviously they lose a great tight end mm-hmm. and everybody's like well let's just you know they're the patriots go get just go get another one like yeah wherever he goes just play him christmas weekend that's the one that's thing true rudolph that is true that's the only game he's gonna really go off that we is that know for sure. is that a thing every year he yeah goes off on the christmas like game? i mean 15. Huh. rudolph the red zone reindeer like it, <laughs> i think wild. he was like nine for 120 and like two touchdowns on christmas weekend last year yeah he like blew up last year right around christmas <laughs> i know that for a fact uh and it does seem to be a thing that happens every year usually late in the year he has a, a huge who says there's no yeah. santa claus right there you go come on all right so you know that's pretty much everything you need to know That was the news. Um, it is May. I, I say that repeatedly on this show because, well, it is May, and uh, we don't have that much to talk about. But a story that kind of caught my eye. Um, Kellen Moore, who's now the OC for the Dallas Cowboys, says he wants to try different things, which after seeing the Cowboys offense the last couple of years, I'm like, yeah, great, sure, I'm all for it. Um, his quote, though, 
hopefully we can be multiple and present things in different ways. And at the end of the day, still have our foundation and our philosophy. You can run similar plays just out of a lot of different looks. And I saw that and I want someone to translate this because that just sounds like coach speak to me. Like, is there anything definite in that comment that anybody can pick out and say, like, this is what the Cowboys are going to do. Uh, yeah, give the ball to Ezekiel Elliott as many times as possible. No, wait. That's no. all he needs to do. No, 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 no. They're going to give the ball to Tavon Austin 20 times. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. What was the title they gave him? They gave him some new web weird... Webback. Webback. No, webback. Web webback. Yeah, yes, he was a webback. Right. Webback. Not the other one. Yes, no, not that <laughs> one. Definitely not that one. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean... I don't know, Florian, are you... Uh, I'll say this. Do we give too much credit or not enough credit to OCs? I mean, I feel like, you know, every year there's a new OC that comes into some team and we talk about like what this guy is going to do. Do we spend too much time on this or, or what? I don't think we spend too much time on it because I think the offense coordinators, they're the ones who shape the offense there. I think there is value in going back and looking at past tendencies. Like I'm really excited as I know a lot of people are for like, David Johnson this year it's because of the new offense coordinator the new weapons around him so I do think we we put the right amount of energy in uh, breaking down offense coordinators but as for this quote it's just a lot of words with no substance in my opinion <laughs> like I'm glad he said because I just wanted to make sure it wasn't yeah he didn't say anything here he just said a lot of big words Kellen Moore's got uh, no experience as an OC right in the National Football League he's just trying to sound like he knows what he's going to do and in the end of the day he is going to direct Dak Prescott to hand the ball off to Ezekiel Elliott 20 times a game. Now, the Cowboys do have some nice new weapons. I'm optimistic right. because you add Randall Cobb if he can actually stay on the damn field. Right. And then the slowest man in the history of maybe the tight end position, Jason Witten, is back in the, where he should be. Because clearly we know he shouldn't be in a broadcast booth. But he's back and he's another option in the pass attack for the Cowboys. So the Cowboys now, I mean, you look at it, you got Gallup, you got Cooper. This is the most weapons the Cowboys have had in the passing game in, in a while now. So Kellen, where I'm interested to see, I was excited that they got him because that was the whole trend of the offseason, right? Mm -hmm. Go out and get a young, maybe inexperienced from an NFL perspective, head coach or OC to lead your team and see what they can do. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Also, will we find out now? I feel like Dak Prescott is like he's like Schroeder, Schrodinger's quarterback, right? He's he's either good or not good, and we're not totally sure like which one it is. But I mean, wh when he had Coop, he was he was pretty good from a fantasy standpoint. He was pretty good. I, I think Dak is the he's a great example of he can. I think for one or two games he can elevate an offense, but he's not truly a, an elite quarterback in the sense that he can. Right, elevate he's, an right. offense. Okay, no, no, no. Uh, an entire I don't think so either. An entire season, he's got to have a great offensive line and good receivers around him to. Be to that point, Frederick, yeah. uh, there's been some good reports about him maybe coming back, and that would make the Cowboys' offensive line even that much better. Yeah. Okay, so then is Dak? I always, I'm always trying to find the latest patron saint of the weight on a quarterback church. Um, oh, dude, they're all that, that church. Well, I know is, that church is full of that church is full man. now, but like, you know, cause like, okay, so before, like, you know, there's a time when it's like for a long time, it, you know, Philip Rivers, I think, is still there. Matthew Stafford was that guy for a while. Tony yep. Romo was one of those guys for a while. Like, mm -hmm. is Dak sort of that new guy that you're like, you know what? Everybody wait. If I, you know, if I need to, I just, I'll just take Dak in the 11th. I, round. I feel, I feel like everyone kind of underrates Dak's red zone role. Like he scored six rushing touchdowns. I think in three straight in seasons. every single season yeah. he's mm -hmm. been in the league. Yep, yeah. exactly. I mean, yep. That's so. I mean, that's so so underrated. I think he gets so. Like, where's the cutoff point? I guess would be, uh, you know, who's going to the church and who's not going to the church. So for me, I have <laughs> Dak at 19. I have right. Trubisky ahead of him. Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins. I have Kyler Murray because I have Kyler Murray fever at 15. I might move him up even more. I don't know. I'm just that crazy about him, but. At what point, like, do you see the remaining quarterbacks in your draft and thinking, yeah, I probably got to take one? Is it Dak? Is it Trubisky? Is it Cousins? Uh, and these guys are all out of my top 15. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you feel comfortable going into a season, say, with a, with a quarterback combo of Dak and Jameis or Dak and Garoppolo? <sighs> I wouldn't love it. That's a no. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't love it. Seriously, because it's like, it's not. It's not terrible, but it's not one where I we, every week I look at it and like I feel great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I did a best ball draft where I ended up with Dak, Tom Brady, and I think Sam Darnold as my quarterbacks. And I, I was sad I missed out on Jimmy Garoppolo, but getting Dak. I thought yeah, you were going to say Josh Allen. And, oh, no, Josh <laughs> Allen was going, was going higher than that because of the rushing ability. But, yeah, getting Dak, I feel like Dak is just being overlooked because, like you guys said, he's very boring. 
and, and he is a tough one to figure out for fantasy. He's always he's kind of like a peaks and valleys quarterback, it seems mm. like. But for me, I, I mean, if you're waiting that long on quarterback, I, I think he's a fine option. He's going to make a lot of money when yeah. it comes. I mean, I guess that's the thing. is that, like, I look at him, he's a, he's a fine option, but I just, you know. Some he's week, not sexy. He's not exciting. Right. And some weeks you'll get yeah. great Dak, and he'll give you, you know, 25 points. And some weeks you'll get Dak where he's like 11 points. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, that, that fear will always make me, you know, a little uncomfortable. So, um, all right. You know what? I had, so I had this like this idea of like cameos by, by Hall of Fame quarterbacks in TV or movies, and it's all tied to Game of Thrones. So shall we? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's May, you know, and this is our show. We're going to do whatever we want. And honestly, so, we're getting tweets that are like, hey. You guys are a great Game of Thrones podcast. I love this Game of Thrones podcast. <laughs> we appreciate that, by the way, although it does make me wonder, like, how we're rating as a fantasy podcast. You, but, you know, whatever. You guys are listening. It's appreciated. People just log in. They just listen to the show. Scroll past Scroll. all of the fantasy <laughs> announcers. There's just nothing like, going Game on. Of Thrones. Don't care about Kellen Moore. Just tell me about Daenerys. Uh, so, as always, spoiler alert, if somehow by Wednesday you haven't watched the episode... I don't really know what to tell you, but, you know, this is your warning. Um, and we got we have Florian here, who also is a Game of Thrones fan. So this 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 works perfectly. Uh, so it was called The Bells uh, because, well, that was the whole thing. If, if you could get the bells in King's Landing to ring, that means that the city has surrendered and you didn't have to attack it necessarily. And it was Hell's Bells. Uh, it really was. Let's get some of that music going, Edward. It was Hell's Bells. So <laughs> last week on this show... I compared Daenerys to Jeff Fisher, saying that no one has done less with more talent than Daenerys Targaryen. She must have heard that. Somebody heard <laughs> it. The writers, Daenerys heard it. I don't know. Pissed so basically, off. she went John Heisman when Georgia Tech put 222 points on Cumberland and decided she was just going to run. She literally was up 60 in the fourth quarter, still running four verse with her starters <laughs> out there, right? Like, she was just laying it on people. And I know this has been the big talking point of the show. I, I didn't hate the episode, and Eddie will get because you know you being our resident you know expert here on this. I didn't hate the episode. I didn't love it. I just felt like like everything else this season. It just felt rushed. Her heel turn just felt rushed. I mean, me. you're not wrong in saying the season's rushed. I think it was pretty. Looking back, we'll go. Oh, the writers saying we're going to finish up this whole entire you know decade long series with 13 episodes instead of 20. Yeah, it's probably stupid, uh, but I do understand life happens. They have other projects. The actors have other projects. It's just it's sometimes hard to keep that all together. Um, but I will defend the heel turn saying that there were I think there were enough clues throughout every season uh, and especially this season and within the last few episodes, how you just it just got to the point where Daenerys lost everyone. Like those like screen like the screenshots of her with the council and then how it gets like decimated like every episode and she was ended up she was left with Varys, Tyrion and John all who crossed her. John only looks at her as a queen and she was like, eh, you know what? This is it. Like no one likes me anymore. So my words are um, fire and blood and that's how she's going to win, you know, win over Westeros with fear and, and, her, and her dragons instead of winning it by being well liked like John was. See, I agree that we saw the heel turn coming through and, you know, anybody who argues that doesn't watch the show. There's so many quotes that, that came from her. There's been so many signs. Uh, you know, uh, Varys saw it coming. Tyrion saw it coming. Guys, right? see- but here's, here's the one thing that I didn't yeah. see coming. Yeah. She's the breaker of chains. She murdered children and women. Like, I didn't see that coming, okay? I compared her heel turn to Anakin Skywalker, but we had more sort of, like, time to see that yeah, I, it's it's probably coming. You know, Anakin killed younglings. He killed everybody, right? And he was a good dude, right? She appeared to be someone who was was very was very gracious and merciful when it came to innocent people. And then all of a sudden, you know, John won't give her a little love, and that's the culmination of everything else. And then she just goes nuts. See, I don't think it was just John not giving her love. I think this was no. It was it was the culmination of a few things, yeah, but that yeah. I think was the final straw. It was it was this this whole was this whole thing was being set up. If you remember back in season four, Bran had a vision where one dragon, one single dragon, was flying over King's Landing. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many times in the early in the show did we hear Daenerys say either "I will burn them all to the ground," "There will be blood and fire." Um, how many times does she use her dragons probably inappropriately to burn her enemies? Um, I, I think this was coming and I am, I was all for it. Except, I'm, I'm, 
I loved the episode. I think this was legitimately one of the best episodes they have done. Agreed. Um, maybe in the last three, four years, at wow. least in the last two seasons. Yeah, I'm with wow, Graham. I'm definitely with Graham. at least in the last. This has been this was easily the best episode. Think about all of the different storylines they had to wrap up and the way that they did it. I mean, they could have just had Danny go to the Red Keep right and burn the Red Keep down. Boring. No, yeah, that's boring. Yeah. That's too easy. That's too easy. No, let's burn the city. But I almost would have. I almost would have felt better about. By the it. way, the city that her family built. I would have almost felt better about it if she burned the red keep and then like flipped out and was like, you know what? I'm taking everybody. Like mm-hmm. she never actually directly went at Cersei. Like that was her whole goal was to take right. out Cersei. She never directly did that. Yeah. Well, um, and, she and, did by and crumbling. Cersei right. was killed by building codes. Yeah, is- I mean, like, it, was, <laughs> it, it was it was an unsatisfying death. Like no, so that was for me, like as a fan, I just, it's, yeah, it, it's an unsatisfying death. A building I, falls on you. I, I wanted to see Arya yeah. go in there Eddie. and look her in the eyes and say, hey, you know what? Say goodnight. I, it's all over. Your reign is over, and this is it. Eddie. Instead, she's crying, I don't want to die. This is like one I, of the most evil characters in the entire series, and she had a building fall on her. That's why it's the best. That oh, was, it's not. I agree. Yeah, it's yeah. not. That's See, why it's the best. A lot, uh, it's not. I've seen the argument like it's poetic. Like she wa- she thought she was better than everyone the whole show, and to die like an uh, uneventful death hurts her character more than if she went out in like grand fashion. She went and out I, weak. I get that. But I feel like as a TV show, I, we were robbed of like I, a memorable I think, moment. I think you guys are missing the boat on storytelling. Yeah. yeah. No, Cersei, I mean, here's just, Cersei just watched the entire city, her entire army, everyone that she bought and thought that would defend her, go up in flames in literally 10 minutes because yep. Khaleesi burnt the city yeah, to the ground. That's I, something she could not have planned for. No. It, <sighs> and she thought Jamie would come back. Jamie came back too late and they died together. Which, by, by the think, way. But I think that's all fine. But if you go in and let Arya finish her kill list, oh, no. it would have been a oh, more no. satisfying death. I would have thrown up. I would have loved that. I thought about this. One, first off, how did Jamie survive that? Yes, fight yes, exactly. He got stabbed that, in both sides. That He's got me. blood coming out of his mouth. But, and then that was very convenient that Euron happened to swim up onto the same beach and Jamie's still right there. Come on. <laughs> I, I actually would have felt better. And I thought about this for a couple of days after the episode, right? Okay, like, okay, maybe, maybe it's too obvious if Arya shows up there and stabs Cersei. And so, I felt like the happy medium would have been sort of the way... I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna cross-reference another HBO show here, but sort of how Omar died in The Wire, how it was just some random kid who just popped him out of nowhere, and so like I would have been great with Cersei maybe trying to escape, and either it's a, either it's a random soldier or it's some civilian who's just like, screw you, you made our lives miserable. And then just guts her right there. Like that almost would have been equally yeah. poetic if some, if just some random citizen of King's Landing is like, "F you, I'm gonna take you out." <laughs> like that would have been, that would have been okay. I'm, I'm fine but, with that. But she got like, a, it was almost like a sympathetic death. Like, yeah, oh, they hold. And I'm like, but I think it's smart sucks. because it, because it makes her you. You've only had Cersei be the sympathetic character maybe twice. Once with the the walk of shame, and then then when the Mad Queen becomes the Mad Queen and she's burning down the city. But she's not sympathetic. She just cut off the girl's best but friend's that's head. Why, but that's why I, I think. Mean, it's awesome because She's, like you no, because you're because you're confusing the the watcher like the TV watcher to be like oh wait yeah. no I was supposed to root for Daenerys but now she's doing the bad thing and Cersei is now crying and but there, we want to like, root for Arya to finish that no, list I, and no kill no, I Cersei I've seen a don't. lot of people saying because uh, in the, the episode before last one they do a lot of close ups where they show Danny and they show that she has green eyes even though in the books she doesn't mm-hmm. so a lot of people are speculating maybe if Danny is actually the green eyes that that Arya and, and by, speaking of Arya uh, completely worthless in that episode worthless I, I watched something with worthless. the writers well, and they said they one of the greatest warriors in this whole se- series and she did nothing in they, this episode except they, for run for her she's life she's not a superhero that's the thing like, I, I'm getting <laughs> she I'm killed getting the talk- Night King the, yeah which was stupid she killed the Night King I, I which was, was horrible right but I mean stupid. that elevates her but that then, then she's done I don't want it that's like the Avengers thing where if the character the superhero does something too well, good then you have to bring him down the next the next movie well, like Arya the, the writers, I don't want to see any more of that the writers said they used Arya because if it was just random people getting burned by the dragons it doesn't have the same emotional yeah. feel no 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 I get it but like th- let her go and and take out Cersei and then no. run out and try and get his, oh, the, and the hound the could have taken Cersei out in one well, no the hound one the, the, the Clegane <laughs> Bowl was awesome also, okay, so that I, was awesome how did everybody feel about Clegane Bowl it lived it up to it I loved it with yeah. the dragon flying by when they're fighting and stuff I loved it it was great yeah great. I, thought, I thought it was it was a great ending for both real quick on Arya think about I mean she she had to go all the way basically let's just say from the Red Keep out of the freaking city mm-hmm. she had to avoid basically 
buildings collapsing, dragons coming, a dragon coming in, burning everything around. I actually really like the way they use Arya in terms of storytelling in this, in this episode because Arya just killed the Night King. Um, she was going to go kill Cersei. Then it was clear at that time that the Red Keep was about to fall, and then she had to get out. Plus, and then she we, became Arya Stark she, again. That, she's no longer yeah. like the Hound 2.0, like revenge list. Like she wants to become. She's not a faceless man or faceless woman. She right. wants to become Arya Stark, a part of the Stark family again, which I think is a great arc for her to turn all the way back around. Weirdly enough, I do wish that she did perish in that episode because that would have set John off, which I want to see. So but, is, she, uh, is she going back to Winterfell? I think so now. I think so too. But I yeah. think she's going to go to John and be like, "Hey, I almost died." John's going to get you know pissed and then go after uh, go after Daenerys, which I want. I don't want well, any more Arya super kills. I think I think John. The look in his eyes said he has. He knows he has to get rid of Daenerys. He knows like, now, for sure. He knows now. Like we, yeah. When she starts lighting up people, and mm-hmm. and especially when the Grey Worm looked around and basically was like, "F you, I'm gonna kill all these mm-hmm. people." Then John had that, "Hey, my girlfriend slash aunt is sort of cray cray," <laughs> right? and now <laughs> I got to do something about it. Mm-hmm. So and, he, and people are calling John like they're saying he's been useless, but he's you're watching like th- watching it through his eyes. He's seeing all this stuff crumble, and he's seeing like his own Northmen go like attacking women and stuff that he has yep. to like, kill his own guy. He's like, oh. Oh, well, humanity actually stinks, and that's like kind of the point of uh, of Game of Thrones is that humanity stinks, and John's realizing this, and he's like, "Oh, I don't want to be the leader. I am like the only true, just, honorable guy." He's like, "But I'm gonna have to bite the bullet and just be it anyway because no one else is gonna, you know, follow." And that that leads back to the whole um, Daenerys uh, uh, just doing the heel turn thing because she had to kill women and children because she knows that Varys already leaked the word. John will have way more supporters than she ever will, so her only option is to like to scare the yep. crap out of people. By yep. the way, I think it was like a really terrible call on Varys's part, not so much to go to John and like try to convince him, but to do it right out in the open. And it's yeah. so unlike him, right, right, right out in right. the open where everybody can see. Like, don't you pull him aside, I, I in, like agree. a tunnel, and like, hey, we got to talk, sort I of think, thing. I think he kind of similar to like what Tyrion thought too. Is like she's gonna probably go crazy. So it was like a, it was a hail mary. He was like, I'm just gonna did, did let it go. I saw something when he's talking to the little girl and he's asking her like, has she eaten anything yeah, today? The, po- the poison. Yeah, like they were trying to take. He was trying to take mm-hmm. her out even mm-hmm. before that all happened. Um, and another thing too. Sorry, Marcus. So, so Drogon, right? I, we get it. He's the biggest, baddest dragon out of the three. But when they when they had Euron use the scorpion, which he's never used before, I, I and and basically around a freaking mountain or a hill or something like that, a mile away, drill. It's like oh, it's no, like the- never playing golf before, and your first swing you get a hole in one. That made the dragon seem weak to me. So suddenly. Drogue, and, and well, you Daenerys said in the made books, some halftime adjustments. Y- apparently. Yes, apparently, yes. You said in the books that the dragons are basically they, they right. are you the superior. Them. You can't yeah. beat them. So it was wrong of the writers to knock out two dragons. Definitely. Okay, maybe you knock out one, but then Drogon comes in, and literally there are more scorpions. There are more forces against him than there were previously when the other dragon was killed. And this dragon just wipes out everything. They, like, they everything. Yeah. I, I, I will agree. I don't definitely don't agree with you with the other stuff. But I will say you're on. They botch and they botched the dragons in the previous episode. Yes. Right. The biggest thing. The biggest thing that's bothered me most about this season, I think, is just the way they killed the second dragon. I don't mind if you kill the second dragon. Yeah. Just don't do it in basically a scene where it was you're weak. Cu- you're cutting over. And Did he you just, hear the explanation too? It simply was she forgot about the Iron Fleet. Yeah. Like uh. what? They have to use that because I think the whole Euron is magic thing. They just don't have time to introduce that he is like a higher level of being in the show. Same way they don't get into like the yeah, brand we- warging stuff. Like there's stuff that just like they're om- omitting it, and then they're gonna say like, oh well, it's it was awful for the writers to say right. that. I mean, we, we talked about that last week. My my biggest problem with the show in terms of character development was Euron. I mean, they just they kind of botched Euron's whole story, and then they botched the weird. Easter egg where he just like shows up on the beach. With yeah, that was that was, was too that convenient. Was, that was, that was what was the point ultimately of the Cersei pregnancy storyline? Like it well, pays off and really. Make her, that's make you that's feel why bad I think it was her, awesome. Maybe? That's why I love the death because you get Jamie to come back and then Tyr- and she said that she was the according to the prophecy like her brother is supposed to kill her. Tyrion indirectly kills her because he tells Jamie to go there. So Jamie's there there and Jamie knows he's dying because he he was stabbed twice. He's gonna bleed out. Under, they're trapped. She has the baby and they're finally back together again. Like they've come full circle. That like how the show started the All first right. episode and he still puts his hands around her neck, which is a part of the prophecy as well. And then and then the Red Keep, which she says earlier in the episode will never fall it's not going to fall today and then it does fall on her the thing that she's wanted her whole entire life literally I, falls it on. is mm-hmm. it is 
perfect. That you can, they nailed that. I thought they nailed it too, man. I thought they nailed it too, and I, I think, I think people um, watching it just want to, they just wanted to see Cersei suffer. Yeah, yep. but I, that, think, yeah. that's what I want. I think, but she did but she by her did, crying, exactly. and she knows she has the baby. I want. She's like, I want to live, want her baby to live, and Jamie's just like, it's fine, it's if, just us. If anything, your final hour on Earth would be worse watching everything you just worked for go up in flames very quickly, and a baby, a baby that you are theoretically trying to save. You have no means to, to save she, your child. She finally, she, broke had, she finally broke down and cried. She That's all I wanted to say. Kyburn told her to leave. Like, we got to yes. go. Yep. We got to go. And she and was like, nope, no. Nope. Although it was, it was funny when, uh, when the hound and the mountain faced off and Cersei just kind of side-eyed and just like, yeah. she's like, just want to go now. <laughs> the hound could have just been like, all right, you're gone. Like, <laughs> and then still fought his brother. By the, by the way, how much, I mean, Mr. Kyburn just ended up not mattering at all. Right. No. That was great. His death was pretty satisfying. <laughs> not gonna lie. Yeah. So Just not gonna lie. So now we can all agree that this is one of the greatest heel turns of all time, right? So I say, let's put a poll up on the NFL podcast Twitter account. Okay, we're gonna go four options: best heel turn of all time, Daenerys Targaryen in Game of Thrones. Okay, Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars. Got to go there, right? Um, Hulk Hogan, right? Going from you know eating your vitamins and all that kind of stuff to Hollywood Hogan. And then the last one is Satan himself. <laughs> Garden of Eden. He's a snake. Hey, Adam Eve, eat this apple. I'm your buddy. Yeah. Well, he was always kind of a heel. He just was hiding his <laughs> He was hiding it. He was, he hiding, was hiding it. So, so those are the four. Eddie, Satan so let's post that up heel. there. I want to see what the results are. Greatest heel turn of all time. Uh, you think Satan wins? I, I mean, he has to, I think right? Satan had more, more of an impact, I'll say, <laughs> on our lives. Uh, Just saying. I don't know. I liked the episode overall. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. The way that they shot, I mean, it was crazy. I, there's actually, I saw something on Facebook where they had like a 30 or 40 minute sort of behind the scenes thing. I don't know if you saw yeah. it. If you didn't, I'll send it to you. Um, that was really cool, the way that they did it. But again, it was like those, you know, the dragon thing, Arya, maybe I'm just an evil person and I want people to get theirs the way that I want them to get theirs. So I was kind of mad that Arya didn't kill Cersei. There was a few things that were too convenient for me. Um, and, and Danny just going crazy like Mad Queen from, and I get it, we saw signs all through, but the fact that she killed women and children was really surprising to me. But then again, Anakin Skywalker and I guess the writers for Game of Thrones are now doing Star Wars, so there's a little bit of an intersection there. Anakin went from being like a guy who was in love, and now he's killing younglings. So, I mean, it is what it is, but um, overall, it was a good episode. Other question. Yeah. When did we, when exactly did we lose Tyrion? Like and Tyrion's the, character is sucked, man. Seasons, oh, I don't know. I just, thought he was really no, strong. No, man. I like. I, I mean, wanted him. I wanted him to die the no, episode before. The scene with Jamie when he, he and, I and with Varys, he put his hand on him, and they're like actually having moments. Like actually, his friend. No, no, no. I mean, I brother. thought Cersei should have reigned. Yes, I, I, I wanted him to eat an arrow. I said that, that last week because that, that's always her weakness is her brothers. I think Peter Dinklage has done a great job. I just wonder, like, yes, when Tyrion went from being the smartest man in the room to just like pretty much. I mean, literally, just a, a he keeps messing up, trusting it, Cersei of all people, like certainly just like terrified of Daenerys, like trusting Cersei, like he just he he's completely lost his mojo. There's one more episode left. There's true. That's true. There's I mean, one character who I also thought they did a terrible job writing this year, and it's Bronn, the the sellsword. I know he's only in like one episode, yeah, but it felt so forced. He's another character that's like in the books is meaningless, kind of like Grey Worm and stuff. But in the show, the actor people like him, mm. like fans like him. And they write him up more. He'll probably play a role. I mean, he has the crossbow. He's got the crossbow. Yeah, but he's going I mean, after Tyrion. <coughs> so is he gonna? Is he gonna? Be Why? Why would he go after Tyrion? Like, no, no, no I'm not saying has, he is. Oh, I'm he has nothing for, left to gain. I mean, he is going after him. But I think once he sees the result of what happens, maybe that crossbow is used for Daenerys, and Tyrion gets revenge because of killing his brother and sister. Let, that could let me ask you a question because you're the you're the Game of Thrones guy. Why wasn't Brienne in the in the battle? Why would Brienne come from Winterfell to King? It's like, no, nah, it's extremely far. It's like telling you to come from like and Alaska. Everybody Florida. else did. Plus, she's protect, I mean, plus else her, her job is to protect yeah. Sansa. Yeah, so that's why. So she stayed back to slash Queen's guard. She came, yeah. she, okay, okay. Her yeah, job is to protect Sansa. There, she's More characters had happy ending than I anticipated. Um, Mm. I know. I'm also. I, I really am also fearful that like we really have seen the last of like Tormund and Ghost. He, he's and stuff my like, and, like favorite, but and if that's how I mean, if that's the last we see of Tormund, like I'm I'm gonna be kind of hurt. I, I I'm still not gonna think lie. the show the show starts in Winterfell. It's gonna end in Winterfell. Uh, I have a feeling that 
well, all the, I mean, Varus United, all the extra, like the houses, because he's like, John should be the leader. They're all going to rally around uh, John or Sansa, whoever, you know, whoever's leading the North. But we may see him. I mean, there's a chance that John may, may go again. So you might see him as well with Ghost. I think that uh, there's a chance too, that we end up with just no one on the throne. I agree. I think, I think that's going to be think, demolished. Well, like, uh, think about it theoretically. This dragon just destroyed an entire city. They didn't even need. Right. Where they we, didn't even need the army. It's like, where do we go from here? How do you how, well, how do you overtake Daenerys? Wait for the spinoff. Ele- how? Election of Thrones. John when, Stan- <laughs> when democracy comes to Westeros. <laughs> Who's going <laughs> to? I think it would have to be John that killed her. Like, that's the only way I, I think it makes No, no, no. But like. She's. I don't know. Like, what happens to the dragon? I mean, the dragon's. The dragon will. If, I, to if, John, I, if right? I'm her, if I'm her, I'm staying as close to that dragon as I possibly can for a very long time. And nobody's gonna mess with me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you. I don't know. So, are we ready for the finale? Are we emotionally? I am. Ready? I, I am, and I'm not because as as disappointing as this season has been in certain aspects, it's been really good in other aspects. I hate to see it go because I mean, it, it's been it's been such a huge sort of global phenomenon where everyone's talking about it. And now I, I guess they're, they're talking about doing a prequel, right, Eddie, they're doing like something three. maybe. Yeah. Doing right. Like so three. we'll get they're more, definitely doing but I mean, it's kind of like, you know, at the end of like yeah, breaking bad, you're kind of, you're, you're, the ending was, was terrific in that, in that series, but you were kind of sad to see it go. I well, admittedly better call Saul has been a pretty fantastic show. I, I, was gonna, <laughs> I was going to be very, very sad to see it go. Um, but then they did episode five. Exactly. And now I'm happy. I'm, yeah, so I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same boat as Graham. I, I mean, I'm happier after how good five was in my mind. I'll always be upset, though, because it's something that I've been caring about and watching and reading for better part of a decade. And sure. the good thing is there's still two more books. There's a lot more other. He has like other side books that I'm going to actually get into soon. Uh, and then we have the three prequels. And I think what's funny is when you think about the prequel, the, the options they have to use, like Game of Thrones, the show we're currently watching, maybe like the. Mo- most boring story out of all the prequels like there's like the long night yeah. the origin of like the white walkers you have robert's rebellion which is that's what caused game of thrones robert's right. rebellion is probably way cooler to watch than this so we have some pretty cool stuff coming mm-hmm. in the next couple mm-hmm. years or so whenever it, it shows up but of course like it, obviously when the final credits come up and i'm gonna be like oh wow it's actually over this time like no more cool intro and mm-hmm. um it, it'll be sad but i i think after five and what could happen in six yeah. unless they <laughs> unless me and you come if me and you come back you're Sad, that means they really screwed up. But I think, I think, <laughs> I think ultimately the where they got the writers where they got to this end point, maybe getting there wasn't the smoothest route. Yes, but ultimately they landed on something that I'm pretty happy with. I think, I think the base plot has been very good, but just the details and execution at times has been sure. poor. To it had flaws, yeah. To just, yeah, just just flawed. Starbucks loved it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. That's Man. probably the most the, the most see? free promotion that any product has ever had ever. Did you see Jamie had his hand back in the last yes, episode? Yes. <laughs> when he was holding Cersei, he, they they screwed that up. It uh, wasn't his uh, actual hand. Huh? You, you would I think the actor would be like, "Hey, hey, this I should is have my the... real hand. <laughs> this gold hey, hand I've had on my um, my arms. <laughs> not like, here. Like, like, season four, like five <laughs> seasons. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, kind of need this back." Oh man. All right. So we got one more episode, which means we'll have one more recap. Uh, Which means we got one more show to have something to talk about. Right, and then we'll have to figure out what to do for the rest of, like, right. June and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was about to say, does that mean we don't have a podcast? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to figure this out. We're going to have to get yeah. in some guests. We're going to bring in some we fun guests. We may have to just get another group show. Just, we'll have to just randomly pick a show. <laughs> just pick a we'll show. Have, like, right? be like, yeah, guys, just all get in this show yeah. that we, none of us have watched. We'll just pick on that and watch, recap it. I kind of like that. I like that idea. Yeah. Um, before we get out of here, actually, some more football news. Uh, the Jets this morning fired GM Mike McCagnan and have named Adam Gase the interim general manager. But now news coming via Adam Schefter. Our own Daniel Jeremiah is under serious consideration what? for a prominent front office position with texting DJ the right Jets. Now. Uh, so DJ, who's done a fantastic job with our draft coverage, one of our scouts here, also did have front office experience, worked for the uh, for the Ravens, Ravens. was a scout mm-hmm. for them for a while. Uh and I will tell you, the people around the building have long believed that at some point, Daniel Jeremiah was going to get some serious consideration for one of these front office opportunities. Why does the NFL keep taking our dudes? Um, 
because we are the NFL. It's sort of like a, you know, it's like. What, it's like, what are we like, the development it's like, uh, it's league like, for GMs? It's getting transferred to a new field office, basically, is what it I is. I guess, yeah. Um, so we'll see, you know, obviously we'll keep an eye on this story and see what happens. Uh, anybody who has worked here and has run into DJ can tell you he is one of the greatest guys yeah, he's uh, awesome. that, that you're going to meet. Uh, obviously knows his stuff. Uh, stepped in for Mike Mayock and did a fantastic job. And it'll be curious to see what happens here, but uh, that his name showed up in these rumors is not a surprise to anybody who knows nope. him. Nope. Yeah, I think some. I think his name showed up in some rumors last year too. Yeah, um, and, and he and Lewis Riddick. It's yes. it's a cool time, man. Some some really good analysts that have had NFL experience before. At what point? At what point do you believe, or maybe that'll never happen? Will a fantasy football <laughs> analyst? And there's a lot of dudes out there like Graham, like Mike Clay, like Evan Silva, like uh, Jeff Ratcliffe, who are super super into the analytics, like just knee deep into it. I don't think it's going to be you, my friend. I love you. No, it's not going to be. But me. at what point do you think that some team actually hires a fantasy football analyst to be some part of their front office? It's the premise of a TV pilot I wrote. Come on. Seriously. Who, who's the star? You? I don't know yet. <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> right? I but mean, yeah. like, I, it, could ha- it could happen. Seriously. It, it could happen. In, hasn't it happened in the NBA with a couple? Um, didn't the Grizzlies hire, it was like John Hollinger? Am I going crazy? Right, bringing that I, name I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, they, they, hired they, they, ESPN, hire, they didn't hire an ESPN guy. They hired though. an ESPN guy who was, like, pretty big into the analytics and stuff. I know the NBA, I mean, every league now, every team has an analytics you department. Are, but you the, are correct. Yeah, yeah. he's the, the VP of basketball ops for the Grizzlies. A ton of, like, fantasy baseball guys have gotten front office gigs. Never, never like a coaching or GM job, but they've mm-hmm. gotten a lot of front office gigs before. Yeah, the NFL is just far behind in terms of their understanding and acceptance of analytics, and that's why I think it'll be quite some time before we see someone truly like come up from the analytics community actually run a team. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens with the DJ. Uh, you know, certainly if. If he does decide to take it, we would be sad to see him go. Yes, but, but I think we all be very happy to he, he would see do him a, succeed. I think he'd do a pretty good job there mm-hmm. out in New York. Plus, man, the Jets are just they're they're a circus right now. So if he can, if he can kind of calm the circus, then you know that would be great. Do you, do, and and so Gase is the current GM. I He's guess is the, the interim the, GM, interim slash acting GM, whatever. Now you call now, it. and we talked about this off air. Like he has really no experience and should not be in that role. So the, the reason he is now in that role to me, he went to Woody Johnson and gave him that, that googly eyed wow. look and he, and he put him in a trance and said, Woody, I want to be the GM. Okay. You can. <laughs> These are not the droids you're looking for. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, it's weird that they let McCagnan go through the draft and then no, 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 no. They let McCagnan spend nearly $200 million. <laughs> they, they let him literally run the draft make, make the draft board and hire Adam Gase. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's not interesting. great. Yeah. Not great. So, uh, all right. So that's how we uh, that's how we we wrap this up. It's over. We're done. Appreciate you listening as always. Thanks for the downloads and as always, tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember when killing them with kindness doesn't work. Try voodoo. We'll see you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.